0: And welcome to the latest episode in our podcast series on shareholder activism. My name is Antonia Girkby, and I'm joined today by Mark Bardell and Gareth Sykes, who are both co- partners in our corporate team here at Herbert Smith Free Hills. Today, we're going to be talking about activism in the context of companies' annual general meetings. And we thought it'd be useful to talk about it at this time of year, as 2023 AGM season has drawn to a close, but before companies start getting really stuck into the reports for next year and their AGM notices, it'd be quite good to reflect on what has happened this year and what we can expect next year. And so I've got Mark and Gareth with me today. So Mark advises uh, both listed company and activist or and even active shareholders, so he can give us this perspective from both sides. And Gareth heads up our corporate governance advisory team. So it's all across what's been going on at uh, AGMs this year, and AGMs can and do provide plenty of opportunity for activism. And here, I think I say this on every podcast, we're not just but it's more true than ever here. We're not just talking about traditional activist funds, but also looking at active or engaged long term shareholders. And probably more particularly in the context of AGM lobby groups who get shares for the purposes of raising issues. Um, But before we get stuck into the lessons from this year, Mark, do you want to just talk us around why we actually see so much activity around AGMs?
1: Certainly. Uh, And it it will come as no surprise to those listening to, to hear that the reason is simply that the AGM is, of course, the focus in any year for any company, for shareholders to get together and express a view. And that The purpose of the AGM is reflected in the statutory rights. So there's rights to speak for any shareholder, however small, single shares enough uh, at uh, AGMs or general meetings generally. And there's particular rights specific to AGMs about adding uh, resolutions to the notice. Um, having other matters, including with the business to be dealt with at the AGM, um, rights to have a statement circulated ahead of their shareholder meeting. So those are the statutory rights that position all of that. But even more fundamentally, it's the obvious time to bring an issue uh, to the attention of the board and shareholders, and it's a little bit cheaper than requisitioning a meeting at a different different time. Probably also worth noting that all all of this is. Uh, influenced by practice in the U.S. where there's a longer history of activism and in the U.S. for similar reasons, uh, the AGM is the prime time to focus on these kind of issues.
0: Thanks, Mark. Um, And Gareth, if we can turn to you now, where are the key areas where we see shareholders displaying their disapproval, protesting against companies?
2: Well, in terms of the resolutions at AGM's Antonia, uh, probably no surprise that the resolutions that uh, most often attract uh, votes against are the remuneration related resolutions. So listed companies have to put their remuneration report. To uh, their shareholders every year, and every three years they need to put forward their binding remuneration policy. Um, and since that regime uh, came in uh, just over ten years ago now, um, I think nearly every year remuneration-related resolutions have topped the charts in terms of those uh, that receive the most votes against. And that's not surprising. You know, in the current environment, the cost of living crisis, there is a lot of focus on uh, on pay at all levels of an organisation including executive executive pay Um, and whilst a number of the uh, issues that investors and others focus on will be company specific um, in relation to the way that their uh, remuneration uh, schemes and regimes operate um, there is a lot of focus on them as as I say. I think the second biggest area of uh, uh, shareholder opposition is in relation to director re-elections so the vast majority of of listed companies put all of their directors up for re-election each year um, as that's a, a provision of the of the uk corporate governance code and i suppose linking to that first theme investors are increasingly willing to vote against the remuneration committee chair in addition to the remuneration report or the remuneration policy if they have particular issues or, or, or concerns that's one area um where director re-elections are, are are come into focus another area is uh that issue of, of overboarding directors time commitments are directors uh spending enough time with their companies do they have too many roles in the eyes of investors or others um such that uh they want to, to record a protest vote and then probably the third area is is, is share capital related related resolutions, um, I suppose, in particular, the authorities to allot the disapplication of preemption rights. And I think that's primarily driven by uh, UK, uh, I suppose, the, the UK standard forms of those resolutions jarring either with international practice. Uh, or jarring with certain institutional investor house of house views. So we know, for example, South African uh, institutions and shareholders generally are more conservative around share capital authorities to allot disapplication of preemption rights um, than the UK norm. So those companies seeking the new UK norm uh, tend to get uh, a bit more of a protest vote if they, uh, if they have a large South African shareholder base.
0: Thanks, Gareth. That's interesting. Um, So those are obviously the kind of the standard resolutions where shareholders take their opportunities to to show that there are uh, disapproval of various aspects. But then, as you mentioned, Mark, there's this opportunity for shareholders to actually requisition resolutions of their own at general meetings. What do we see? What are the areas we see those targeting?
1: Yeah, so I I think that area follows on naturally from the three topics that Gareth was just outlining as being the points of objection in the usual slate of the usual resolutions put forward before shareholders at the AGM. So I I think probably the easiest way to understand that is if you are a shareholder who is unhappy uh, with things at the company, then expressing that dissatisfaction, it, it, there's an opportunity to vote against an existing resolution. If you want to express that dissatisfaction more loudly um, and indeed, if you want to become more politicised and active and maybe though the existence of, of you as a shareholder is driven by something of a policy agenda, then you can express that dissatisfaction even more loudly by putting forward your own resolution to achieve those very things. So I think in the spectrum of of what's possible there, a resolution requisitioned by a shareholder or a group of shareholders um, to object to remuneration is one step. It's it's a one step further than to object to particular directors. So you put forward a resolution to remove individuals. And again, you can see that's becoming more aggressive, more personal, more purposeful. Um, And then you might add to that um, resolutions uh, against uh, disapplying preemption rights. If the way the company is running um, would allow some dilution, some events, maybe it's M&A that goes with that. Uh, Hammerson was an example, I, I think, of, of shareholders having resolutions requisitioned along these kind of lines. And then you ramp it up that one stage further to what we're seeing a little bit of, first of all, in the extractives. Second of all, uh, in the, the the banks and financing parties that finance the extractive industries and now potentially going even further to to different industries, those resolutions which are particular around a say on climate or um, social topics like living wage. So, you know, you see those requisitions as I would look at it over time. First of all, at the big oil majors like Shell BP, then it's the turn of the banks. You know, HSBC, Barclays, whoever it is. Um, And and then it's a broader category of of other industries that that get hit in the the next wave for all of that. But I'd be very interested to hear how Gareth sees all of that, because I I think he's very close to it when looking at it from the perspective of governance um, and, and that angle. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Uh, and I,
2: I completely agree with you. I think in terms of in terms of requisitions, I suppose we are very used to seeing the uh, standard activist investor toolkit, and I suppose that focuses usually a bit more on, on directors, whether removal or, or, or appointments. Um, but there has increasingly been a trend for um, what I would term more active shareholders. So the the lobby and special interest groups that Antonia you mentioned at the outset requisitioning resolutions and and historically they've been more focused on the i suppose the e aspect of esg but in recent years they've also moved moved more towards uh s factors mark you mentioned mentioned living wage that was a requisition uh bought by a group of shareholders in 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 sainsbury's both tesco and unilever had requisitioned uh, resolutions which were ultimately withdrawn, but around uh, healthy, healthy eating targets and the proportion of products that they sell, uh, which, which were healthy, uh, healthier products. Um, So this really is a tool that is increasingly being used. And those type of active shareholders and, uh, and special interest groups are increasingly savvy and, and aware of those rights that you described at the outset of this, this session under the Companies Act and are more willing to use them to try and drive drive change within a within a business. I, I think it's also important to note that actually there are still only maybe five or six uh, requisition resolutions a year in the FTSE 100, so they're still fairly um, uncommon uh at least for most companies but as i say um increasingly increasingly being used and i think the other thing just uh just to draw out is that these are uh usually special resolutions a company's articles will require them to be uh, a direction uh and, and require it to be a a special resolution so 75 percent or more of shareholders voting in favor which is an incredibly high high threshold um, and one that is very unlikely to be uh, unlikely to be met unless the board supports it. But nevertheless, notwithstanding those odds, um, organisations are willing to requisition to bring these types of issues to the forefront of uh, of shareholders' minds, draw attention to the draw attention to the to the particular issue, and they often gain success. From Just from doing that, so, as I said, both Tesco and Unilever uh, had their requisitions withdrawn because they agreed with the uh, requisitioners uh, a particular approach that the rec- requisitioners agreed was uh, you know satisfactory met their requirements they didn't therefore need to progress uh, to the requisition and, and the vote at the meeting itself so driving change through that requisition uh, through that requisition tool
1: that's in- interesting and I I sort of add into that from the experience of the activist shareholder, those who are more economically driven that that, more famous style of activism originating from the US as it morphs into what you're describing, Gareth, the old adage of keep your friends close and your enemies closer, right? It, it can often be an own goal for the listed company board to pick a technical objection to some of those points, um, and better to engage, embrace the issue, own it, put forward your own resolution to, to, um, address the problem in that way.
0: Thanks both. So we've talked about the sort of areas where we see companies facing issues. What's your advice for next year? What can companies do to head off a tricky AGM?
2: Well shall I shall I kick that off, Antonia? I, I think maybe in picking up on the point that, that Mark mentioned, sort of keeping your keeping your friends close, I think it is important to engage with a broad church. Um, not just your your large institutions, but others on your on your register and also um you know interest groups and the like as i said, they are increasingly um savvy and aware of their ability to, to uh their ability to requisition or use other rights that shareholders have have under the companies act um in relation to resolutions, I think it's it 's it's, uh, know your know your shareholder register, um, especially for example, in relation to those share capital resolutions that I mentioned, if you have a large shareholder um, or, or you have a, a disparate shareholder base uh, with a large number of them number of them based overseas, check what their policies uh, are around share capital resolutions in particular do they support the uk approach or do they have a uh another approach um that they they adopt in relation to voting in those in those uh areas and then i think um it, it's preparation for the day itself um you know making sure you do prepare the chair of the meeting properly prepare for the prospect of disruption um, when was the last time that you dusted down and took a look at um, those fairly standard form scripts that I suppose usually slip in at the back of the the, the AGM pack uh, to deal with deal with disruption um, we 've spoken about requisitions and the like. Um, we are increasingly seeing protests um, and active shareholders turn up at turn up at AGMs um, and using increasingly interesting tactics to draw attention uh, to particular issues. So I think it's only uh, it was this year that Shell's AGM was disrupted by protesters singing um, Go to Hell Shell to the theme of Hit the Road Jack. Um, last year, it was protesters singing uh, a version of Money, Money, Money. Uh, Abba's money, money, money at HSBC's AGM. Um, they're increasingly using, um, you know, quite disruptive tactics in the room to draw attention to matters. How would you deal with that? Is the chair prepared for that? Um, you know, all questions that you need to be, need to be asking ahead of the, the, the meeting and ensure that you're, you're properly prepared. And I think the other sort of more recent development is, uh, you know, how does disruption filter through if you're running a hybrid meeting? That's all very well and good dealing with people in the room, but how are you dealing with, um, you know, the, the online element of your meeting as well? um you know how does disruption in the room how does, how does that reflect on the online platform um and, and what do you do in that context so having an online meeting as well as the physical meeting can add can add an extra layer of complication if there is uh if there is any disruption
0: thanks gareth mark have you got anything you wanted any other thoughts you had on this or anything else we've touched on today
1: so probably just add in two points, really by way of emphasis for for what Gareth's just been describing. And this comes out of the experience of acting for listed companies in response to, again, those more um, economically driven activist investors. And the two points that I, I sort of emphasise are picking up on Gareth's theme about being prepared um, it's a little bit like carrying an umbrella in anticipation of the rain coming. You know, the more you prepare, the less likely you, you get the outcome that you, you want. So that old fallacy that carrying an umbrella means it won't rain. But I, I think it's like that when you're preparing for your meetings. If you prepare for all these different scenarios, actually, they probably don't work out. But it's a good thing. You, you feel more confident about it. So that preparation, I think, can't be. Um, underestimated. And the second thing just to emphasize is timescales. So a, a lot of activists, whether economically driven or politically motivated, active shareholders in the way that Gareth was describing it, they're operating on different timescales from the company. For, from a listed company's perspective, the AGM's a moment in time. You prepare for it. It's gone. The, the people who are engaged in these topics are not looking for one moment. They're looking for a broader audience over a longer period of time, and they're looking at different AGMs all happening, you know, in the weeks and months that follow each other. They're looking at different years. So if one thing doesn't go their way one year, they'll be back again next year. So my recommendation would be for companies in preparing for this just to adjust your timescales that you're thinking about these problems it's not batting something away on a day it's something that is here to stay with us for a longer period of time and and that merits just thinking about things on a longer term basis
0: that's great thank you that was really interesting thank you both um i'm sure we'll be back this time next year seeing if there are new lessons to be learnt. but um interesting to hear your thoughts Uh, on what to expect for next year's meetings. And I think some useful tips there. Um, Thank you both for joining me today. Thank you to our listeners as well for joining us. Um, If you want to find out more about shareholder activism, we've got a hub on our website, herbertsmithfreehills.com. So you'll find some guides on there, our previous podcast episodes. Um, And we'll be back again soon with another episode on our activism series. But thank you for joining us today. Bye.